This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to the Gig Impressing Podcast. My name is Stefan Minkowski. As ever, I'm joined by Manu Vett. Manu, how's it going? Ah, it's going all right. Well, we're doing this bright and early. Um, apparently, you have stuff to do, which is fair enough. It is your day off. <laughs> yeah. Bright and early for you. It's uh, coming up for 5 p.m. for me, which is why I have stuff to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's just the kind of nature of uh, our global uh, podcasting operations. But uh, and we have someone in a third time zone just to keep things complicated. As ever, we're joined by Matt Ford in Germany. Matt, how's it going? Yeah, good evening, good morning, uh, <laughs> good, good day, wherever we are. Uh, yeah, getting on to getting on to for six o'clock here. So yeah, all all three time zones covered. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. We do have like a large section of our listeners and subscribers are from America, and you can actually tell when the US is beginning to wake up because we get this kind of wave of likes and comments and things on the <laughs> articles around like three or four p.m. my time. And then Manu obviously pops up. He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" It's a funny, um, yeah, it's a funny kind of way of doing things. But we love it all the same. Um, and yeah, Manu, I guess we should probably just jump straight into this. Um, yeah. I know we usually have a little preamble, but um, you know, we had Ma game this weekend, so we'll probably just jump straight into it and uh, talk about all sorts of things uh, right after this break. Yeah, let's get the bills paid first. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info, with up-to-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Let the, get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. You have everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through the World Series. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code. Believe that is B L E A V. Believe to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I feel sorry for you guys having to listen to all these code words. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. Don't don't worry about it. Um, I just zone out anyway, so it's totally fine. Um, and talking about zoning out, uh, we're deciding not to talk about the big teams this week uh, because I took in Dorbin's 1-0-1 over Werder Bremen. Uh, and I did my absolute best to stay awake throughout the match. So No, that's not true. We're talking Bayern. We're talking Bayern, but only because we want to talk about Mainz, really. Um, mm. And, you know, I think we kind of discussed the topics we wanted to bring up this week. Uh, this week and 
it feels like there's a lot more going on at the bottom of the table maybe than at the top of the table right now. Obviously, the top five teams all won this weekend, um, all relatively comprehensively. I know Dortmund only won 1-0, but it was a pretty one-sided affair. Uh, mm. Stuttgart as well, Leipzig, etc., etc. So, Although, Stefan, before before we do anything else, I know we have to keep this tight, but we do need to mention that Brand scored in his 300th Bundesliga game. Yeah, I was also going to point that out. It is worth mentioning Brand. He's been really, really good all season and had a really, really neat little finish. So, um, yeah. Um, and 300 is such a massive milestone, right? Yeah, yeah. The only reason I haven't made a point of that is because I've made a point in it in my newsletter this week. That's fair. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't. I was trying to kind of keep my powder dry until that's pu- uh, published tomorrow morning. Uh, but you're absolutely right. He now has 131 goals and assists in 300 Bundesliga games. Only six players have bagged more mm. goals and assists uh, in that time. Uh, and if you want to find out more, you can of course read my newsletter, which kind of goes through the evolution of Julian Brandt as a player and how he has kind of developed into this kind of star for Dortmund which I think probably wasn't a um, a foregone conclusion by any means uh, when he joined the club in, in the kind of years that followed under Lucien Favre and things like that um, but you know putting that to one side um, we do want to kind of talk about some of the other teams because mm-hmm. it was a weekend which saw Cologne pick up a big win uh, it was a weekend that saw Augsburg pick up a big win and Matt maybe unfair to kind of throw these two teams together in the one discussion and we have talked about both actually on recent weeks but what did you make of both of those results both of those teams and where the clubs are right now and um, both teams ultimately stepping up with really really important wins at really key junctures um, obviously it's first one in the case of Augsburg um, under the new coach, uh, are we are we saying just is it thug up or tug up? I think we're probably going to go for the going to go for the hard T. I think is that That's fair? Torup, isn't it? Yes, Torup. Um, who I am not going to claim to know a great deal about. However, um, he certainly cuts a smart figure in a very nice suit on the touchline, and <laughs> um, at least after Augsburg had gone two 0 down, uh, they actually uh, yeah pulled off quite an offensive spectacular in the uh, in the end um, so we just see where they go from there I don't think Augsburg have too much to worry about going forward they've already shown this season that they can score goals obviously they're that far far drive match day match day mm-hmm. one against Borussia Mönchengladbach um, they do have issues at the back I think they have a league record or a league high of goals conceded from set pieces and that continued in Heidenheim uh, but yeah, uh, even if it is against uh, one of the apparent minnows of the league in Heidenheim, um, any team that goes 2-0 down away from home but then comes back and wins 5-2 on a Sunday night, I think is uh, worthy worthy of praise. So, yeah, good win at a good juncture for, for Augsburg uh, under mm-hmm. an interesting new coach. And as for Cologne, um, yeah, their key juncture being that it was yeah the, the derby and arguably the biggest derby that's left in the, in the Bundesliga, I think that's probably fair to say. Um, neither team really went into it in great form. Um, I think mm. Gladbach had probably been coming. Things seemed to be coming together slightly in the in the in the games leading up. Um, and I think, as we said in the the big podcast we did with the focus on Cologne a couple of weeks ago, they've actually been nowhere near as bad. Despite the limitations, they have been nowhere near as bad as as results would suggest. And um, 
I thought it was interesting the uh, the interview that Stefan Baumgart did with uh, with Dazone uh, after after the after the three one win, where he actually seemed quite. I'm not sure if he had a cold or if he actually seemed really emotional, but he actually se- he seemed audibly to maybe be you know, fighting back fighting back tears a little bit. Maybe he actually just had a cold and his voice just sounded a bit wobbly. Doesn't but he always sound like that though? Yeah, he does have quite a croaky voice, doesn't he? But um, he, he, what was he said? He said, um, "In in in Kerns, you mankind go bolzer." So you don't yeah. we, we 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 don't just boot the ball around aimlessly in Cologne. Like you're not you're not going to come here and just see see nonsense. Which okay, he's being very very kind to his team, but it is fair to say <laughs> they've not been they, they've not been that bad on season. Um, yeah. And the performance, particularly in the first half against Gladbach, was really really good. Admittedly, the two or two of the main goals killed. Two of the first goals from Kites came from pens. The second one was retaken, so they had some fortune in that sense. Um, really good finish from Luca Waldschmidt to finish it off. Um, and I think, as bad as Gladbach wa- uh, were, a really deserved derby win from Cologne, and probably deserved as well after eight performances which have not been as bad as the league table would suggest. Yeah, Manu, I feel like. Um... I set myself up for embarrassment here because in our preview show, not only did I pick Heidenheim to beat Augsburg, but I also mm. picked Gladbach, Gladbach to beat Cologne, more or less based on the premise that Coney coming back into this team should have shored up this Gladbach defence, which seems to do anything but. Um, but also, kind of maybe paradoxically, we have been talking about Augsburg recently, and I think I said when they sacked the head coach and brought in the new one that you know, if you look at the uh, Augsburg's underlying numbers, and as Matt says, Cologne's underlying numbers too, probably, these are two teams who probably were due to bounce back at some point. What do you think about that, Manu? Well, I, the, I mean, we, we both had that prediction, so you're not alone. Um, it's, just, it's also worth pointing out here, by the way, just to jump in, uh, if you yeah. actually look at the XG for the game, um, Heidenheim's was 3.13 and, and Augsburg's was 3.29. Uh, and I think you can probably see a couple of those Augsburg goals were um, very fortunate. I think the first one was just a free header in the corner. And then I think Pedersen's maybe volley without say the foot, if I'm not mistaken, was just a bit of a screamer. So that misfortune that has plagued Augsburg just seemed to flip on his head in this game, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, there's the new manager balance as well. Um I think that that is that is a big part of this for for Augsburg, right? Um, you know, the first performance. And then maybe we should have guessed that Augsburg wins that game with a new manager in charge. The players who haven't had a chance previously, um, they they always kind of seem to bounce back. Um, whereas with the, I mean, I wrote the 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 big preview on the Ryan Derby, right? Um, sort of reminiscent of how it was once the biggest star, one of the big derbies in, in German football and it still is you know in, in many ways um, but this season it's just kind of felt um, it just felt, felt like it was two teams just in terrible form that were going against each other and Köln desperately um, needed this needed this result I find it interesting Matt that uh, Baumgart was speaking to the zone who were the broadcaster in Germany and yet completely refused to show that game in Canada even though they're the broadcaster here as well, seems oh, like is that right? Have, okay. <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, it seems like if you have your cameras and everything here, and you have the rights, and the game is produced for you, just put it on. Um, especially if it's one of the most historical games of the the, the wait, league wait. that you cover. And I needed to get this off my chest because, like, it's um, absolutely atrocious the way they they have to handle the league um, this year um, in Canada. 
Um, but you know what? Um, it's a shame to hear that because, uh, yeah, like you said, obviously it is. It, is a, it is a massively historical fixtures, all yeah. sorts of storylines and narratives behind that game. Yep. And as much as, and yeah, you both rightly say that there wasn't necessarily a great spot, uh, massive sporting interest coming in. It was two of the poorest performing teams in terms of points tallies anyway in the in the league. Um, no really spectacular names on show. Um, but but I mean, on top of you, that, you, Matt, you, you, you saw, actually... If you saw the spectacle before the game, I mean, the, the fans yeah. certainly take it extremely seriously. And I mean, that was a pretty, pretty um, spectacular fireworks show from the... Cologne fans before kickoff. I think it was delayed five minutes, wasn't it, because of all the mm-hmm. smoke. So yeah, and also interesting to see before kickoff the the Cologne players gathered in front of the in front of the terrace after the warm up, uh, having yeah. a, having a talking to by the ultras, telling them to you know I suppose pull, get the thing, right. pull the fingers out and win. <laughs> well, like the thing is too um, in North America, both those teams are actually quite popular because when um, football or soccer first arrived here. In the 70s, the Bundesliga was actually one of the few leagues that actually had a show, right? And who were the two big teams in the 70s? Well, Gladbach and Köln, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and um, I wrote this in my preview, um, 77, Gladbach won the title. Um, oh, sorry, 78, Gladbach won the title. Köln won at 79, ahead of Gladbach on goal differential, right? So this is this is a, a fixture steeped in history, but actually one that's actually quite popular here as well, which makes it even more baffling that you wouldn't show it. But you're quite right. I mean, like the, the the scenes before the game and it sets it up so on. And I think that is also kind of underlines how massive this game is in this region. And um, these teams and these are so closely together, right? In geographic proximity, you can literally take public transport from one, from one to the other. Um, you know, the S-Bahn connects Gladbach to Köln. For example, right, yeah. uh, which is like um, the equivalent of the overground in London or um, the SkyTrain in Vancouver, or wherever you are. Um, it's like it's like you can take not just that real train, but you can just take like a public transport there. Um, and with that all that in mind, I I wrote in my preview that for Köln, if they don't win this one, they would be in real real trouble, real real trouble, right? Just one point so far, and those three points against you are biggest rival I think that could be a real turning point and I think that explains why Baumgart was so emotional yeah I think he also highlighted uh, he hinted at the idea that a lot of the press around Cologne and it is one of the most intense press environments in Germany mm-hmm. bizarrely enough I mean, obviously obviously Munich and the, the press the media landscape surrounding Bayern Hamburg is quite notorious for the mm-hmm. landscape surrounding Haas Foul. But um, yeah, the landscape in Cologne surrounding um, FC is for the for the relative status of the club and how relatively little they've achieved in the past. Well, this this century, uh, the the euphoria and the intensity around the club is is can can be quite extreme at times. And he, and Baumgart seemed quite protective. You know, I said P.O.P. Oh, and not just him, but also the um, head of the professional football division. Um, well, yeah. I, f- I forget the name. Is it no, not not Keller, uh, the former yeah. goalkeeper? Um, name oh, I thought it was Keller. Is, in, yeah, in, in, it might be um, the, the former backup goalkeeper. Either way, um, he was also saying that we've been criticised. You know, this squad has apparently been criticised in the press for not for not being good enough, not having the quality. But you know, he emphasised that. Uh, we believe in it and we put it together for a reason and we believe in it. And mm. okay, maybe he has to say that, but it also suggests that there are some feelings within the club at Cologne that maybe they feel a bit hard done by by uh, 
as well as people like people like us slacking them off on podcasts. So yeah. fair, fair play, fair play <laughs> to Cologne, and uh, good luck, good luck to them. Yeah, I mean to be fair to um, the media, Kess, putting Kess, expectation, Kessler, I believe. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, you're it's, right. To be fair to the media, putting pressure on the club to perform better, you only have to speak to someone from Cologne for five minutes to get the impression that they also think their city should be the best one in the world. So it's that, something that is that also ble- true. <laughs> it's no, something it's that, not. Ble- <laughs> it's something. People from Cologne are probably the proudest, I think, in yeah, Germany um, outside of Munich. I would probably argue, as yeah. far as I can tell. Well, Munich um, is the best city in the world. Well, there we go. Um, point point <laughs> proven. Um, and so, what's the next game we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, talking talking about cities with uh, huge expectations on themselves to one that's maybe a little less um, serious about things, shall we say? I don't know if that's a huge cliche, but um, let's go to the capital because that result for both Cologne and Augsburg really kind of shakes things up at the bottom of the table. Um, mm. Augsburg, I think leapfrogged like five teams or something like that uh cologne i think came off the bottom of the table um and one of the teams who continue to kind of fall um you know like a rock really are union berlin um who of course you know lost 3-0 to stuttgart um this game to me um i think it summed up union quite well in the way that they've just completely kind of fell apart this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly spent about a good hour and a half, two hours, just digging through stats this afternoon to try and get to the bottom of what's going on with Union because, you know, a lot of people bring up this whole XG thing um, from last season, which may be worth explaining just because we did have a subscriber ask last week what the XG myth was and he may have missed it. But essentially last season, Union outperformed their XG uh, I think by the end of the season, um, their XG was 10 goals fewer than their actual goals. Um, but it's worth bearing in mind that both Bayern and Dortmunds were also like 9, 9.5, 9.8. So, you know, it's not entirely uncommon. Um, but there's a lot of people who suggested that because they were outperforming their XG, eventually, um, you know, that would come back down, the goals would dry up performances or, or results would kind of falter and hey presto they would revert back to the mean but I think if you actually kind of look at the stats that Union are kind of putting up this season the 11 goals in 8 games isn't great but I think what's far more concerning is the 17 they've conceded in 8 games mm-hmm. and one stat that really stood out to me this season is the and it's a very niche stat so bear with me guys but if you look at which teams have conceded the most amount of crosses into their own six-yard box. Union were maybe fourth or fifth best in the league last season. This season, they're dead last. So, you know, they basically... And actually, if you kind of look at the goals that they conceded against Stuttgart, the first goal uh, comes from a dinked kind of cross to Giresi. The the person who's making the pass, who I can't remember now, um, is standing about 20 feet in front of Robin Gosens, who's backed off, backed off, backed off, and he's in a kind of back five. And this, you know, the full, the Stuttgart fullback, I think it is, has got plenty of space. He swings across into the box, Giresi taps it home with a header. Um, the second goal from Silas is just an excellent counter-attack. He uses an incredible pace, a really nice finish. Um, and, you know, he scores, so that's fair enough. And then the third goal, is, the third goal actually as well, is also another cross from the right-hand right hand side, um, which is kind of drilled in the back post. And then Stuttgart make it three. 
from an unmarked attacker. So if you think of you, I mean, I also, <laughs> I also actually just went through every single goal they've conceded so far this season and kind of jotted down how they've conceded it, how it's happened. The thing that keeps coming up time and time and time again is while they're not actually conceding directly from corners, they've already conceded about five or six goals this season where it's like the second play from a corner. So, for example, a cleared a corner gets cleared and then the opposing player scores a volley on the edge of the box or something like that. So it feels to me like this team have completely forgotten how to defend. Um, a large part of that, I think, is because Kadir has only just came back in. Um, into that midfield. They've also got a number of new players in defence, uh, particularly Bonucci, but I also think Gozins is a big factor there as well on the left-hand side. Um, and no. I, I don't know, Matt, I'll maybe throw this to you first, but I mean, what have you made of Union so far this season and do you think this is something that Fisher can fix or are we going to see a very dramatic kind of demise of this club? This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. It's a Texas showdown in the postseason, and BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Let the, get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. You have everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through the World Series. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code Believe that is B L E A V. Believe to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And um, I think what you're hinting at there with like the the uh, getting your winning second balls after after set pieces and, and goals, you know, conceding goals in, in that sense, um, it does all point to you know just a, a general couple of percentage points of chop off in, in in general intensity, and you could see that in pretty much all three goals. Against mm-hmm. uh, against against Stuttgart this weekend. Um, obviously, you mentioned the uh, the cross into Girassi for the first header. I mean, both both crosser and header of the bar are stood with absolutely yards and yards of space. And spot mm-hmm. to Oliver Brunet even even pointed that out and criticised that afterwards as well. Um, and yeah, similarly for the um, I mean, okay, the, with the with the third goal, I mean, there is a probably an element of having given up by that point in the 88th minute but obviously give the, way the, ball, give the ball away in the, in the left back position but there's no pressure to win it Stuttgart are able to win back possession halfway up uh, through Union's half so easy and then yeah the cross into Undav he's also stood there completely completely unmarked um, yeah a general like uh, drop off in, uh, in, 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 in intensity which is costing, costing them defensively and I think also Difficult to quantify, but a, a lack of, um, I suppose, um, precision and clinicalness up, up front because they they did have chances against Stuttgart. Um, Berlin's one on one when in, in I think it was in the second half when it was still when it was still one uh, nil. 
Yeah. Um, you've got the point. You got the the chance that Fofana uh, puts over the bar for a really good position. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if those two go in, suddenly Union you know, are right are right back in the game. So yeah, missing those uh, those clinical percentage points both offensively and defensively, and uh, it's costing them. Another thing that I've, I've, I wasn't actually aware of the extent of it, but I've, I've sort of read it in in Kicker this morning. Apparently, they've made. Um, 19 changes to the starting 11 in across the eight games so far that's an awful lot that's a that's a lot of changes to to a team which as we said in the the bigger chat that we had about union um a few weeks ago given that they've brought in a raft of players in bonucci and uh Kedira and folland and and Gozans, who are perhaps not quite that that typical um union Signing, but they brought them in this year with you know added Champions League money, hoping to add a bit of extra, I suppose, experience and that extra bit of class to the squad. Um, yeah, those sort of newcomers with a new mentality, different approach, combined with the nineteen changes, it just all speaks uh, speaks a, a language which is very, very, in, very inconsistent, and um, they're, yeah, they're, they're paying the price. Yeah, Manu, let me. Yeah. Quickly remind listeners of how Union have started the season, and then maybe that's a bit of context that is necessary. So, start the season with wins against Mainz and Darmstadt, as you'd expect. They then lose to Leipzig, then lose to Wolfsburg, then lose to Hoffenheim, lose narrowly 1 0 to Heidenheim, then lose quite big to uh, Dortmund and Stuttgart. If you kind of look at that list of fixtures, I think it's maybe fair to say, you know, all those eight games they've played. They've played at least, you know, five teams pushing for top six this season. Uh, they've beaten two relegation candidates. They've lost to a promoted side, which is probably a real stinker. Mm. But you then flip that and look at the teams they've got between now and crit and uh, the, the winter break, which is Bremen away, Frankfurt at home, Leverkusen away, Augsburg at home, Bayern away, Gladbach at home, Bochum, and then Cologne. And... You know, you're looking at eight games there where rather than having, unlike the first eight games where they had two games they were expected to win, they've now got eight games and there's only maybe two, maybe three teams there that you would on paper say are better than Union Berlin. So Mm. do you feel like if there's any hope for Fischer to turn things around, at least he maybe has a bit of kind of runway here to kind of try and, you know, save their season of sorts? Yeah, I I think... He does. Um, I think that actually the next game against Werder Bremen um, could be the uh, could be a turning point already. Um, just a couple of things that, that come to mind as both of you were speaking. The XG is a big one, right? And I mean, as you pointed out, good teams outperform the XG. That's usually why they're good teams, right? And, and you pointed out Dortmund and and Bayern as having better XGs as well than um, their actual goal scoring would suggest. So. I think that is that is a really important point, and I think what Union Berlin um, were last year. They were an excellent, excellent team, and they were able to form a. Was Fischer was able to form. Out of the different pieces of misfits that he got, a very coherent unit, and they added eleven new signings this summer. Eleven new players, right, and some of them quite with a big profile. Um, Robin Gosens comes to mind. Um, Kevin Folland is, an, Folland is another one. Uh, really? Brandon Aronson, Fofana was one with 
lots of promises that hasn't just clicked yet. Um, that is a, that's a big turnover, and that is a big turnover, and it's a big. You're adding pieces here that maybe come in with a different mentality than the one that was there in the first place. Um, you mentioned crosses. Robin Gosens is an excellent player. Um, last week, we talked about the German national team and his lack of ability of defending, right? Stefan, yeah. that was a big topic. Yeah. Um, well, if you sign Robin Gosens, you are getting an attack-minded <laughs> wingback. That's yeah. what he is. He is uh, Alfonso Davies light, right? Like that's essentially the sort of player that you have. And that kind of points to me, like that, that kind of points out to me that the pieces that they added are excellent. And I think actually they went from being a team that is bigger than the sum of its parts to a team that's smaller than the sum of its parts. And that's, I think, a, a really big task for Urs Fischer to, for him as well, right? Now, because, and I asked this question when I was with Union Berlin last year, well, what are you going to do when you are successful? How are you going to conserve that success? Because getting there is is easier than to stay there, right? And I think that's where they are at the moment. And I think that is a big part of why they are struggling. Is this making the step from not just, oh yeah, we're getting better every year, better, 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 you know, Conference League, Europa League, Champions League. Well, what's the next step after that? Like you're talking trophies. And so you're board of directors goes out, Runet goes out and adds the pieces necessary for that to conserve that success. Well, guess what? It's really difficult to actually then conserve that success and to do it with um, the same kind of coaching staff that previously always kind of coached up, right? And I think that is a really, really, it's a really big challenge for Urs Fischer. It's a really big challenge for this club. But I, I think that you know, there is there is some hope on the horizon. I personally think that they're going to be just fine, but they might actually regress this year a little bit. Mm. Yeah, can it come what comes to mind to you is actually Freiburg under Christian Strike, where yeah. sometimes they'll have a very kind of ropey transition season, but as he's proven over the years is that they always end up ticking back upwards once once the new players are embedded in, once they kind of all start singing from the same hymn sheet and know how to kind of play under him, then yeah. It all kind of reverse back to the meaning. I do kind of wonder if that's what will happen uh, under Fisher. So I just think the turnover was so big, Stefan. Right? Like yeah. eleven new face. Okay, I added Hugo Leishi as well, so make it ten. But that's a that's a big turnover. That's a third. Like in their cases, that's a third of your squad. Yeah. Well, a lot's changing in that club very quickly. You know, we've talked a while yeah. a lot about they've 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 signed just about as many people off the pitch this summer as they have on it. Uh, it's obviously a yeah. club with a lot of. Um, big plans um off the pitch as well um in terms of you know the stadium and their infrastructure and their staffing as well so yeah a lot going on there right now but let's turn to our final kind of lower um half the table team we want to talk about today which are Mainz because Matt you were there uh to take in their 3-1 defeat to Bayern and as you wrote about uh in this week's Monday bulletin it was a defeat it, it is a result that keeps minds bottom of the table again, um, but there are there is maybe some hope for them going forward. I think there is. Yeah, um, I was actually mm. uh, I ended up changing my mind a little bit. I think going into the game uh, when I started looking into them, uh, probably through my own ignorance, really, I must admit. I, <laughs> I, I, I sort of looked at okay, you go, you're looking at twelve 
games without a win here, stretching back to, to last season. Um, they've lost some key players in um, in, in recent years. Um, and, yeah, I, I wondered if maybe the time had come that the the relegation could be on the cards. And um, but having, yeah, looked into them a little bit, spoken to a few people, gone to the game, uh, sound pause, like the, the atmosphere around uh, around the club, I actually think that things are a lot more optimistic um, than yeah than they would seem at, at first glance. Um, obviously, it wasn't of a defeat. Obviously, that run of uh, of winless games was extended to twelve. Then again, it was Bayern Munich at home, and although they had beaten Bayern Munich in this fixture in the past three seasons, um, it remains a free hit. If you can get something, it's a bonus. If not, it's just whatever. Just see see how you perform, um, and. On the whole, I thought they actually performed relatively okay. Um, yeah. There'll be frustrations on Mainz's part for some of the goals. I mean, uh, Bo Svensson, the coach, was particularly frustrated at the way in which I think Leroy Sané won his challenge against Fernandez in centre mid in the build-up to the first goal. It was a it was a pretty weak effort from Fernandez and Sané has yeah he's showed a, a great deal more strength and determination to win that ball. And he's it's a really powerful run feeds Coman. It's a fantastic finish, um, and then on um, also the second goal. I mean, it, it's it's three headers in a row which might somehow conspire to lose in the six yard box. The first header, which comes in from the from the cross, and then I, I forget who yeah. that was from. And the second ones, when, when the cut back from the byline from Goretzka, when that's a header that goes unchallenged it, it's really poor form and then to leave Harry Kane of all people also stood with no one marking him in the middle of the six yard box to nod at home really really poor goal to concede and it was a shame from Mainz's point of view because they did actually create some decent chances um, yeah. they, they they did press high they, they did win the ball well they did um, they did try and expose some of the gaps uh, particularly in behind the fullback positions which is often a slight Achilles heel that you can get by in with Um with a little bit more luck, or maybe not luck, were it not for an outstanding save from Sven Ulreich from Lee's header in the first half, um, you're looking at 1-1. And that was just before Bayern made it 2. So that was quite unfortunate timing, but it's a fantastic save. He gets down and tips it onto, tips it onto the post. Similarly, in the second half, just moments before um, Leon Goretzka makes it 3-1, um, Stefan Bell, the, it's yeah. actually the centre-back, starts the move and finishes it and he's got a it's on a plate for him on the edge of the box um with space to shoot the whole goal is mercy and he he puts it wide um by and go up the other up the other end and score um pretty and, and might even there have themselves to blame and for, the, the um, ball went through bell's leg yeah that was well. <laughs> also unfortunate so a lot of things came together and then even though the game yeah. was over by that point and we'll get on to um, uh, Brian uh, Gruder, the, the young 19-year-old, yeah. in a sec. But um, you know, he had another fantastic game. He's definitely been a bright spot in in, in recent weeks. Um, at the weekend, it was um, a fantastic... He's only, he's only a kid. He looks quite slight and yet he's, he's managed to shrug off um, Kim as if he's not there. Yeah, uh, and then strike a great shot against the post. Really exciting player, uh, and you can that was form that he continued from the two-two draw away club back last week when he doesn't he doesn't just score all the goals a contender for goal of the season. A fantastic strike from the edge of the box. He also I think a few minutes later attempted to to chip the goalkeeper from the 
from the halfway mm. line effectively. So a player with fantastic confidence, uh, strength, skill, and he's coming through Mainz's youth system. So a lot of a lot of positives uh, around um, around him. And I think based yeah based on that based on the form, uh, I I think the results will probably I think they will come for Mainz. I think there is um, I think there's more there to be uh, optimistic about um, than um, than not. Uh, next next game is away away at Bochum on on Friday night. Um, already a bit of relegation, six points, but a game where they'll be hoping to pick up uh, pick up points. And um, yeah. it's also interesting to hear just sampling some of the yeah some of the the, the opinions and the atmosphere around the around the club uh, yeah. pre match. And um, generally speaking, no one's overly worried. And I think there's a bit of an acceptance in Mainz that and a, and a realism that this is a it's a small club from a, a small city, um, and despite some um, impressive finishes in recent years, particularly under Tuchel, um, and then more recently under um, under, un, under Svensson, uh, where they've qualified for Europe on one occasion. Despite all of that, if we take if you look at the bigger picture, success to Mainz is being in the Bundesliga at all. Yeah. Um, they're a, a well-run club. Um, very family orientated club, uh, not just in the sense of you know bringing you know the the production line of coaches from the youth system in in terms of Klopp, Tuchel, uh, Svensson, Martin Schmidt, um, all right, these right. sorts of characters who come and gone. Christian Heidel was sporting director for years, left to Schalke, and now he's also he's also back at the club. Um, it's a very down to earth, very down to earth club. Um, and I think there's an acceptance of that, um, and that yeah, that that breeds a certain realism. And I think even financially speaking, obviously the fact remains that they're like I said, they're without a win, the bottom of the league, and they've got an awful lot. They've got a proper battle on their hands this season. However, if it if the worst was to happen and Mainz were to go down, I don't think that they would be in such financially dire straits as say Cologne, Schalke, Hertha. Hamburg, the likes yeah. clubs with much bigger fan bases, much bigger um, financial financial commitments, bigger expectations. And um, I think Mainz would be a lot better placed to 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 to, re- to regroup in the second division. But then again, I don't necessarily think it will come. It will come that. It will necessarily come to that anyway. Um, yeah, some impressive signings too. We've been impressed. It's not a new signing, but I'm impressed with um, Ajok up front. I like the way he plays. Holds the ball up really well. Gets involved in build up play. Um, impressed as also with Anthony Cassie, the the uh, the French French uh, left back who scored a fantastic sorry, fantastic finish for his for his goal. Um, yeah, uh, there's some there's some reasons to hope for for Mainz despite a shocking start to the season. They're a little bit like Freiburg that way, right? Like that if yeah. Freiburg go down, it wouldn't be really the end of the world because of the way they've set them up themselves up financially and all that yeah. sort of thing. And the expectations would be that they would be really quickly back. I'm glad you mentioned Gruda there, um, mm-hmm. Matt, because like there was also a really cool moment after the game where he exchanged jerseys with Thomas Müller and then yes, Müller yes, kind of knighted him, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think um, game knows game, I think is what... <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> no. At the end of the game, Thomas Müller is literally walking around the yeah. pitch in, 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 Gruda's, in Gruda's shirt, which is... Uh, and and it was an Instagram really post nice as well, yeah, where, he, yeah. where he praised him, so... Yeah, yeah, he Gruda looks like a good one. Really exciting player. One thing Mice do is do they really do need to to cut out the these really really daft defensive errors. As he mentioned, yeah. some of the ones where they shot themselves in the foot against uh, against Bayern. 
Um, yeah. But um, yeah, and uh, Bayern was there for the taking um, because I think that the the squad is really thin at the moment, right? They only had yeah. the seven players on on the bench, and like three of them were like. One of them was Bunasar, so he doesn't count. Um, then there was two <laughs> amateur players, and then there was a goalkeeper. So <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's that's really thin. And Kimmich wasn't playing fit. I know Stefan, you and I had a bit of a discussion about this um, because he didn't play for Germany, but then he played for Bayern. But I think he would have played in this game with one leg because the squad is so thin. And then they lost Goretzka mm-hmm. as well, and he's going to be out for a few weeks as well now. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the way that they constructed the roster kind of makes them they're kind of there for the taking right now and if mines if that one shot goes in and it's 2-2 i think mines get something there given for recently in recent years as well i mean it wouldn't be yeah. like i said it wouldn't be the first time that mines would get something against uh against bayern but um i think they have bayern certainly have a lot to a lot to thank for um leroy Sané in in particular who was once yeah. again really really good in fantastic yeah. form yeah, I mean, if only Bayern had a midfielder, uh, preferably Dutch, who had been sitting on the bench oh, last twelve months. They had one. What was his name again? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, forgot oh. his name. Did they, did they sell him like just before deadline day with auto replacement? Yeah, I think so. It, what, it, what it happened? Like, didn't they do the same with like a right back and a centre back? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, just maybe last couple of minutes, just briefly, kind of giving the Bayern fans something to chew on. Um, they do have a very interesting time in Champions League this week away to Galatasaray, yeah. which, as we all know, is a very kind of, you know, intimidating place to go. Um, which you know, I mean, obviously Bayern in the Champions League in the group stages, they just kind of seem to go into autopilot and win these games. But we saw just a few weeks ago how much they struggled in Copenhagen with. What well, yeah. was relatively a full strength squad, I guess. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how they do in that clash against Galatasaray. But the one I'm really looking forward to is the the Dortmund match uh, at the start of November, which you know is maybe two or three games away, but it's not that far off. And yeah. you know, you know, this is what always happens. We always get our hopes up ahead of these dare classicers, which I said uh, in I'll be at that game, Stefan. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 interesting because I was watching this Bremen side and this Bremen side, sorry, this Bremen game, and I think Terzic basically said something after the game. He's like, "Look, we're not sexy, but we get results." And oh. It'll be really interesting to see if because you know, gotta give Dortmund credit. I know I said it's talking about Bayern, I'm talking about Dortmund here, but I will bring it back to Bayern by saying, you know, the Dortmund are kind of very boring but very kind of. Pragmatic right now, while this Bayern team man seem to be a little all over mm. the place. Yeah, but that's like I mean, it, that's due to how they managed to squat in the summer, yeah. right? I mean, we've we've talked about this many times, and um, you have to. Joshua Kimmich goes all the way to the states sick, right? He's he's flying this sick, and then they bring him back sick, um, and they nurture him for this game, and you could tell. Um, I don't, I, I don't care what people th- say, but he wasn't 100 percent fit for this game. Um, you know th- that is due to the squad management in the summer, and um, you know the writing was on the wall for this ever since they decided to sell players before deadline day and not bring in replacements beforehand. And you know I think this team is vulnerable, and I'm really, really, really curious about the Classica. I know we always get our hopes up, but. Um, I I think 
this is going to be a fascinating match because Dortmund, and I mentioned this on one of the threads this week, um, at what point do we say to the Dortmund side that played this boring football but gets results um, as being just an efficient machine? Right. Yeah. You know, at some point we have to maybe acknowledge that what Tezic is doing isn't sexy, but it works. Mm-hmm. You know, it worked once again. Um, and that could be a good recipe. I don't know. I mean, the, I think we, we, we will probably dive really deeply into this once the classic uh, has come and gone. Yeah. But I do think um, there's an interesting narrative developing, especially because these are not the two sexiest teams in German football, period. Like, I mean, right now that's Stuttgart and Leverkusen, right? Yeah, well, I'm afraid we're probably going to have to talk about yeah. that on another episode because we are kind of coming to the end of our time here. Uh, before we go, Matt, uh, we always like to kind of give you an opportunity to kind of punt your stuff um, and, you know, whether you're even still on social media right now. I don't know, but let us know what you're thinking before we before we wrap things up here. And I think it actually leads on quite well from what we were talking about with Mainz because obviously for the rest of the season now, they're going to be without Anwar El Ghazi. Um, and that's um, you know, the reason of his absence was actually the reason why I was in Mainz um, predominantly was was to mm. actually do a do a story on that whole situation. Obviously, people aren't aware he's been suspended by by Mainz, uh, most likely for good. Um, after after posting on Instagram regarding the current conflict in the in the Middle East, a, a post which Mainz said was uh, yeah not uh, compatible with the. With the club's values, uh, and they've decided to, yeah, d- despite the fact that he'd actually made a good impression, uh, I think sporting-wise, uh, in the past couple of weeks, uh, linked up really well with um, with Barcock in Munchen Gladbach last week. Um, so yeah, he he also won't be available for them because they've yeah they've decided to to, to let him go. So I, I was actually there, as basically trying to basically get a bit of an idea of how how these German clubs take what you know, what what. What leads them to to make these decisions like uh, in, in in the way they do their, their stance on the current the current issues in the Middle East and, and why that's the case and also what the what German fans and Mainz fans in particular think of that and like I think the fans that I spoke to and I did do my best to speak to as many as I could before the game were quite unanimous in their support for the club's decision. Um, so um, yeah, I've, I've tried I've tried my best to produce a piece which. Uh, I think, regardless of the complexities and the sensitivities of the of the whole topic, and it is a a really hor- a really horrific and horrible topic at the moment. But I, I hope I've been able to produce a piece which at least explains uh, where German fans and where German clubs, and I think maybe even uh, more broadly, German society is is coming from uh, when it comes to the stance on the current uh, on the current situation. So, if anyone's interested in that, have a look. It's on my it's on my Twitter slash X slash blue sky I'm on that now um, yeah <laughs> I was saying, saying to him I actually thought I'd, I'd, I had to admit I actually thought it was called blue ski I didn't realise until yeah. I saw it's, the clouds it's, it's the biggest social media platform in Poland right now yeah um. <laughs> so um, yeah if, you, if you're interested uh, have a look and uh, yeah, like I said I've tried to do my best with um, a, a very very difficult topic I think yeah, it's a great, absolutely great piece. You can check it out. It's on Deutsche Welle's website as well, if I'm not mistaken. We, that's where you can find it from Matt. And uh, yeah, that kind of wraps things up as ever. Um, a big thank you to everyone who listens. Uh, we'll be back, Mario and I, with the bonus show and the transfer roundup show this week, as well as all the newsletters. Um, and yeah, Manu, I'll uh, tee this one up for you. But uh, until next time, Auf Wiedersehen. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.